Hello, hello, can you hear me coming through? So good to be with you. That's a little bit of a longer walk and uh, entry than I'd norm normally take, but thank you, Rich, and uh, thank you, worship team. It's just great to be coming live from the facility. I understand that there might be a little bit of a delay, and we just thank you for your continued grace as we just uh, are making steps to being able to gather again. So we're excited to have you watching with us, be it on an iPad, a laptop, YouTube, Facebook, hopefully not on an Uber, but welcome, great to have you connecting with us this morning. And uh, we, we've been talking about this journey through this time and the crisis that we find ourselves in and just what it means to know that we get to walk with confidence and courage and how the Lord is leading us. And I wanna speak today on how we prepare for breakthrough. Because really, I, I believe we're in a moment currently individually, but also globally, where we're really trusting and needing to see God's breakthrough. And today, I wanna focus on not just the promise of breakthrough, but the preparation and the process for receiving that. And uh, I wanna talk a little bit about the difficulties that we face and that what we discover while we're journeying towards this thing of breakthrough. So if you've got your Bibles, please won't you open. We're gonna be in the book of Judges, chapter six and seven. And I'm gonna ask you to do some reading with me. Even as we've gone digital, we wanna go a little bit old school. So why don't you take out your Bibles and open to those chapters. And we're gonna look at Gideon. He's a man whose life was marked by breakthrough, even though it didn't look likely in some instances as we, as we see his life unfold. And uh, I'm wanting to look at the breakthrough moment, but then I'm wanting to go a little bit further back and see what led up to him experiencing his breakthrough. And so we're gonna start in Judges chapter seven, verse 22, the breakthrough moment. And it says, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords, and the army fled to Bethshita. You've got to pronounce that quite quickly, otherwise you might get into trouble. Towards Zerira, as far as the border of Abel Mahola near Tabeth. Verse 23, Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. This was the moment of breakthrough. This was the moment they'd been hoping for and praying for and waiting for. If they were gonna write a story about God's goodness in their life, this would be the moment that they would define it. But I wanna take us just two verses prior just to see what starts to unfold. So if you've got your Bibles and we'll put this up on the screen, it's Judges 7 verse 19. This is where we see the break before the breakthrough. And it says, Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and they broke the jars. They broke the jars. Why don't you turn to someone in your household or put it in the comment section and just say this, break it, break it. We're gonna look at that in just a moment. They broke the jars with their hands, verse 20. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping their torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. And they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And what we see there is before the breakthrough, there was the breaking point. Because the breakthrough has a breaking point. There's a break before the breakthrough. And that's what we're focusing on here. So let me just pray for us before we continue. Father, I just wanna thank you that you're with us. I wanna thank you that you are the God of breakthrough. And Lord, we all find ourselves in a place that we are needing to see that whether it's in our marriages, in our health, in our finances, 
And I just pray as we spend time in your word today that as we open up our hearts and our ears just to hear from you and for you to minister to us, I pray that you would reveal anything that needs to shift and change to make space for the breakthrough you're wanting to bring through. So we just pray that in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. And so we are quite familiar with the story of Gideon, but for those of us who don't know it, in Judges 6, as we look back, an angel of the Lord pitches up to him and calls him mighty warrior. Now at this moment, that didn't seem true, at least not for Gideon. But there was something that the Lord was declaring over him and seeing in him that he didn't even see in himself. His response is this, but God, I'm the weakest, I'm the we and from the weakest tribe. But in this midst of this moment, we sing fear is riddling Gideon. He is wrought with fear. And the Lord is coming to him and challenging him. God's encouraging him, even in the midst of this. And God says to him, I want you to go out and I want you to tear down the altars of Baal that your father built. And so we see that he gathers, the, he does this and he gathers the armies around him, 32,000. But the Lord says, no, that's too many. I want you to whittle it down. And it's whittled down to 10,000. And God said, that's still too many. I want you to whittle it down further. And it's whittled down to 300 men facing this insurmountable army coming against them. This is the context of the story that we're gonna see the breakthrough. And here's the thing, this is what makes a breakthrough a breakthrough. If it was possible to do in our own strength, we would just do it. But we need a breakthrough when it's beyond us, beyond our capacity, our ability, our wisdom, our ingenuity. That's when we need to see God's breakthrough. And this is where Gideon finds himself in this predicament where he needs to see God pitching up and moving powerfully on his behalf. And so here are some keys that we see start to unfold as we look at the backstory before the breakthrough. And why we're we focusing on that is because uh, we are not living necessarily in the breakthrough yet. We're living in this moment of how do we prepare, how do we approach that which we know that God has said to be true of us. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, doesn't matter your gender, your race, your socioeconomic background, all of these things where the world would try and divide us, that doesn't matter in the midst of a need where we're needing to see God bring a breakthrough. There's something that speaks to all of us, whether we're up or whether we're down, where we're needing God to pitch up and to show himself to be strong and do something significant in our lives. So here's point number one. Thought number one that I'm wanting to bring to us is this, many times the break before the breakthrough means that something needs to break down. The first thought is this, the breakdown. That sounds like a, a worldwide wrestling statement, the breakdown, but what I'm not saying in the midst of this moment is that you need to go through a breakdown or need to feel like you're breaking down, but that it's necessary sometimes for God to break things down in us, to make space for that which he's wanting to do through us. And there's things that need to be broken down. And we look through this story of Gideon and there's two predominant things that we see that occur throughout the story that need to get broken down. And I wanna just touch on this and just to reveal this to us so that we can prepare rightly for what God is saying. So the first one is this. It's the breakdown of fear. The breakdown of fear. Many of us are finding ourselves wrought with fear as I've mentioned in this moment. And there's a reason that God addresses this over and over and over throughout scripture. Over 365 times, one for every day of the year, he would be saying to you, do not be afraid. He's speaking it to you, saying I'm present, 
I'm working on your half. Do not be afraid. You see, God always directly confronts fear. And God speaks to Gideon in chapter six, verse 14, and he says, I want you to go in the strength that you have. He didn't say, I want you to try and muster up more strength, or I want you to shore up your deficiencies. He's saying, no, I want you to go in the strength that you have, where you are right now, presently, as you are, I want you to go. And Gideon's response is, as I've said, I am the weakest of my tribe, and I am from the weakest of tribes. Here's a prophetic insight that I wanna give to you. When God is prophesying your destiny, don't rehearse your history. When God is prophesying your destiny, don't get caught up rehearsing and rehashing your history. Because here's the thing that we need to see. Your history has no weight or bearing on God's ability to fulfill his word over you. And so we need to get that and we need to understand that. And Gideon isn't. He's saying, but Lord, uh, this is who I am. I'm not gonna be able to do it. And, And God doesn't even entertain that. He's not even listening because here's Gideon saying, I'm the weakest. And God goes on to say, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God doesn't entertain his fear because he knows what we tolerate dominates. And the problem is we often entertain our fears. We put on the big screen matinee, we invite them round, we give some popcorn and Coke, we say, here's the highlight reel of all my concerns, all my fears, all my anxieties. We say we're gonna have the 4D effect, there's gonna be some uh, sense and sounds and flashbangs and it's gonna be, uh, this is gonna be dramatic. And we entertain our fears. God doesn't do this. He says, you're gonna do it. You're gonna be the one that strikes down the enemy. Go in the strength that you have. And like all of us, Gideon is like, no, this, this, this can't be right, I need a sign. And we know in Judges chapter six, he says, Lord, you know what, I'm gonna lay out a fleece And in the morning, I want it to be dry when everything else is wet. No dew on it. And God does that. And Gideon is, well, Lord, that's awesome, but let's try it the other way around. I want the fleece to be full of dew, but I want nothing to be wet around it. And God does that again because God wants to overcome, to assist us in not being overwhelmed, but overflowing in confidence in his overcoming ability in our lives. And so God's working with them. And chapter six, verse 23, it says, but the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. And Gideon needed to hear that because he's, he's rattled in the midst of this, the moment and God's saying to him, I'm not gonna send you or lead you in a path where I haven't prepared victory for you because I lead and, and whoever I lead, I lead in triumphal procession. And so he's saying, don't worry, I'm not gonna lead you somewhere where I'm gonna destroy you, but I'm leading you into life. And in verse 24, Gideon relents and, he say, and it says, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and he called it, the Lord is peace. You see, we need to build some altars when we face some giants and some challenges and face some fears and we need to build some altars that are moments where we've encountered God, moments where we remember what he's done, moments that we can worship him again and it also creates for us the moment where we allow ourselves to be altered afresh at the altar. I've got one of these, I brought it along, and I need to be sure to drink from the right water today. This is from uh, Israel when I was there, and it was from that same spring, we're gonna read about in a little bit, that the men lapped or knelt to drink the water. And I carry this with me to be a reminder of the courage, of the might that Gideon needed to know that was his and God, and not to be caught up in fear. But I am a little bit afraid if I drink it, uh, I might uh, affect my stomach, so the red lid 
If you see me drinking from the Blue Lid team, please shout out. Uh, I'm not gonna venture into that. But here's the thing that's happening in the midst of this moment. He's building an altar. And fear comes again, even at this point. Verse 27 we read, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. Watch this. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. God continues to say to him, go and destroy the altars. But once again, Gideon is afraid, even after he knows God's his peace. And he goes at night so that he won't, uh, he won't be discovered for doing what he is doing. There's fear that is still gripping him. And now they come to this moment of going into the battle and the scripture will go up on the screen. It's uh, in chapter seven, verse one, Judges chapter seven, verse one. It says, early in the morning, Jerubal, which is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. That's the spring that I took that water from, the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. Now, when we're in scripture, there's always these names and you can wonder at their significance, but it's amazing what you'll discover when you start to research into it. It says, they camped at the spring of Herod. And you know what that word Herod means? We'll put it up on the screen. It means this. It means to tremble with fear and to be anxious. This is what's being said here. They camped in the place of fear and anxiety. And my concern is this, is that we will find ourselves camping in the place of fear and the place of anxiety, even in the midst of the moment where God is calling, calling us to battle and where he's calling us to victory. And this is where they were camped. And the enemy was over in Moray. And this is what that word means, and we'll put it on the screen as well. It means to be taught or to be instructed. This is what's happening in the moment. God is coming to Gideon, and Gideon is camped in the place of fear and anxiety, and God is saying, no, I'm wanting to teach you something. I'm gonna instruct you in something that shows you who I am, that you don't need to be full of fear, but you can be full of faith, but you can be confident in me because I'm gonna bring about breakthrough. That's what's happening, and in verse three, just before it all happens, it says this, now announced to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left. See, God is still wanting to eradicate, to remove fear, wanting to pull it out. And you might have experienced this, I've experienced this, that when we're walking with people of faith, they don't wanna be surrounded by fear especially when we're facing challenges, maybe challenges when we're believing for finance or health or relationships. And we don't wanna be surrounded by people that are negative and don't have expectation and saying, I'm so sorry, this must be so tough and so hard for you. No, people of faith wanna be surrounded by people of faith, people who have a confidence in God, a joyful anticipation and expectation, people who carry hope, people who shift atmosphere, people whose very lives draw the activity of heaven into the present circumstance. That's what we're wanting to be surrounded by. And that's why God in this situation is saying, no, let fear be removed. And they go down to 300 people. That is less than 1% of what they started off with. And God is able to say, now, now we're gonna see just what I can do as we prepared for breakthrough and what I'll bring. And in verse 10, Gideon comes to God. He's only got 300 men left and it says this, because there's still a little bit of fear. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. And afterward, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. Now watch this. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. What's that saying? They were still afraid. 
You know, God could have said to him, no, just go and do what I need you to do. But God was working with him, walking with him, journeying with him to get and to rid every ounce of fear from his heart. And in verse 15, we finally see fear is eradicated. We finally see Gideon is full of faith, full of confidence, and every ounce of fear removed. And when does this happen? It happens right before the breakthrough. This is so key. In verse 15, it says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He bowed down and worshiped. Instead of fearing, he fell. Sometimes we fall before our fears, but when we get a view of who God is, we can fall before him and worship. And he returned to the camp of Israel and he called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. You see, here's another prophetic insight. Sometimes we need to awaken before we can arise. What that means is sometimes we need to awaken to who God is, the wonder, the splendor, the majesty, the power of who our God is, so that we can arise in who he's called us to be. And this is what happens in the midst of this moment with Gideon. He's caught up with who God is and not what his circumstances. And he goes back to his people and he says, we are 300. They are so much more than us, but don't worry about it. Get up. We're going to take them because he's caught sight of who his God is. And nothing will nerve you more for the fight than catching sight of who your God is. So the first thing we see they needed to break down was fear. The second thing they needed to break down is pride. And in chapter seven, verse two, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into their hands. Watch, this is the reason. Or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. You see, the Lord was allowing the odds to be stacked against them so that it would seem an impossible feat so that he could come in and move and show his glory in the midst of the challenge they were facing. It reminds me of what Paul said, and we'll put the scripture up in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, it says there he was given a thorn in his flesh so he wouldn't grow conceited. And he called out to the Lord, take it from me. Sometimes we want the Lord to take things from us, but he wants to give things to us. He wasn't gonna take away, in a sense, this pain so that Paul could feel strong in his own right, but he's saying, actually, you know what I'm doing? I'm gonna give you my grace so that my power can infuse you so that even when you feel weak, the strength of heaven is on display through your life. And this is what's happening with Gideon in this moment. He's living this out. God's power is about to break through their perceived weakness. But what has to be removed is every possibility of pride, every aspect of self-reliance, every bit of confidence they have resting upon themselves. That has to be removed. Because here's the thing. When you are stretched beyond yourself, it's then that you become reliant on something greater than yourself. It's so important to get rid of every um, aspect or vestige of pride so that we can be in that place when we are stretched beyond ourselves. We know it's beyond our cap capacity and ability because then we're gonna be reliant on the one who is greater than ourselves. So here it is, point number one, there's a breakdown. That's what we've been looking at. And point number one, two, I wanna say is this. To get your breakthrough, you sometimes need to break a sweat. You need to break a sweat. 
And we see this happening in verse 12. We see Gideon looking at the army that's coming against them. And even as he's looking at this army coming against him, I want you to picture that army or that enemy that is coming against you. Verse 12, it says this, the Midianites, the Amalekites, in my case, the Cellulites, all of these different arts, and all these Eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. I mean, now you know why there's a little bit of fear in Gideon. And uh, now you know why he needs to break a sweat. And no, it's not because he's stressed or anxious, it's because he's got a part to play. Because God is saying, I'm gonna bring a victory and a breakthrough, but I'm gonna include you in it. And you notice this, I, I would have, if I was Gideon, I would have thought, Lord, I'd rather you speak to me like you speak to Moses, because you spoke to Moses a bit differently. To Moses in Exodus 14, you said, Moses, you just need to stand still and see the deliverance of our God. Or maybe Gideon says to God, you know, I'd rather be a little bit like Jehoshaphat, where we see in 2 Chronicles 20, where the Lord said to him, Jehoshaphat, you won't have to fight this battle because I'm gonna fight it for you. But Lord, you come to me, Gideon would say, and we see it in Judges 6, and he says, you, you Gideon, are gonna defeat the Midianites. And Gideon's thinking, how is this gonna happen? Me and my whittled down army that doesn't look so great in the midst of this army that looks as thick as locusts. And there's gonna be times in our life where God moves miraculously like he did for Moses and Jehoshaphat, where God moves miraculously in your circumstance and mine. We see it in salvation. He moves miraculously in a way that we could never do for ourselves. We didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, there's nothing we could add to it, and it's the greatest breakthrough, and we just get to receive it, and God does that. But there are other times where he's saying, no, I I want you to play a part in the breakthrough that I'm bringing about. It involves you as well. And I'm gonna put on the screen, Judges 6 verse 16, it says this, the Lord's saying to Gideon, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites. Maybe we're in a place where maybe your marriage is in shambles and maybe you're just thinking, Lord, I I don't know what to do here. And maybe there isn't a miraculous turnaround where instantly it'll just be better, but you've got to break a sweat. You've got to start to date your spouse again. You've got to court them like you courted them over 20 years ago. You've got to love them madly like you did before that maybe stopped, but you are creating the atmosphere for that to spring back again. You've got to break a sweat to see God's breakthrough. Maybe it's in the area of your finance and you you can have the miraculous breakthrough where things are all paid off. I heard of an Irishman that played the lotto and uh, he won uh, millions of, of pounds and he went to his parish priest and he said, I've won this money at the lotto. And the priest said to him, well, you know, you need to to give some to the Lord. And the Irishman said, but it's tainted. And the priest said, you're right, but it taint enough. I'll take all of it anyway. You see, sometimes breakthroughs do come, possibly not necessarily like that. But sometimes the breakthrough comes when you say, Lord, I'm gonna walk disciplined. I'm gonna steward what you give me. I'm gonna start to repay my debt one check at a time. I'm gonna start to save rather than splurge. I'm gonna start to sow and invest where I know there'll be a harvest and according to your biblical principles. And sometimes it's a, it takes, we've gotta sweat it out. Sometimes in forgiving people, we gotta sweat it out. It's not instant. Sometimes we've gotta serve someone else's vision 
and sweat to see fruition in that before our vision comes about. Because here's the thing, breakthrough is a reaction to an action that you and I take in obedience to God. Breakthrough is a reaction to an action that you and I take in obedience to God. It requires something of us. We need to break a sweat. I'm reminded of the story in Mark when the friends carry that paralytic man to go and encounter Jesus. And they, they come up against a wall. And most of us would say there's a wall in the way. Or I've hit a ceiling, what am I gonna do? But in Mark 2 verse four in the New King James Version, and we'll put that up, it says this. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Now watch this. And so when they had broken through they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When, they was, when they'd broken through, they let down the bed. And we know that Jesus is there, and Jesus says, arise and take up your mat and walk. But when was the breakthrough? Was the breakthrough in the moment where Jesus said, arise and walk? Or was there a break before the breakthrough? Was there a breaking point to the breakthrough? And I wanna say, and I wanna suggest that the breaking point came before the breakthrough. It's when these men, these friends of his looked at the wall and said, that's not gonna stop us. They looked at a roof and said, that's not gonna stop us. And they stubbornly started to break open, rip over the roof to bring a breakthrough so that this man could encounter breakthrough. There's something about them where they broke a sweat and if they hadn't been willing to break a sweat, they would have said, no, there's a wall or no, there's a ceiling. And so many of us are in that place where, and I hear people saying all the time, no, you know, I hit a wall, so I couldn't go any further. You know, this man in this moment, I mean, he must have been so glad that his friends were not those sort of friends. And here's another key that I wanna bring to you. We need to be very strategic. Here's a valuable lesson. You need to be very strategic in the friends that you are choosing. Because some friends might have taken him so, so far, but these friends were able to break a sweat and they said, you know what? Here's a wall, here's a ceiling. I think we can do it. Let's go big before we go home. Let's play a part in the midst of the story. Let's add our grit to where we know God is, is gonna graciously move. Let's start to work a breakthrough into the situation so that he can receive a breakthrough. Those are the sort of friends we are wanting to have around us. Maybe it's the lady with the issue of blood that shows what it means to break a sweat. When was her breakthrough? Was it the moment that she reached Jesus' garment? Power came out of him. He said, something's just happened. Was that the moment of the breakthrough? Or was the real moment of the breakthrough when she broke through the crowd? When she was coming and there was this hostile group all around him, pushing and shoving, and she was getting, and she was pressing in, even in the midst of being pushed away. But in the midst of that moment, she chose not to push back against the circumstance, but rather to push through to a breakthrough in Jesus. I wanna suggest that the breakthrough came not when Jesus said that power's been released, but when she, the break to the breakthrough came when she broke through the crowd and chose to push through. There's a breaking point long before the breakthrough happens. Point number one, there's the breakdown. Point number two, we have to break a sweat. Point number three, you've got to break the jar. If we put up Judges 7 verse 19, thank you. It says this, Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch and just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. Now remember the context, they are creeping up on the enemy's camp. They've got lights 
but they don't want the enemy to know that they're there. And so they've got these earthen jars that they place over the lights. And Gideon says, in the right moment, just watch me. And I'm gonna say to you, break the jars. And then we're gonna let those trumpets blast. So keep your eye on me. But here's what's happening. The light is in these earthen jars. Reminds me of 2 Corinthians 4 verse six. And I think we have that to put up as well, the scripture. It says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now watch in verse seven. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I love that. In the midst of this moment, they're hiding the light in these earthen jars because a moment's coming with Gideon and his men where the jars are gonna be broken and the glory of God is gonna come out and his all-surpassing power is gonna be at work to rout the enemy. But here's something that we see in this picture of breaking the jars. As sometimes, and Alexander Fenter said this, we need to embrace our brokenness to receive our wholeness in order to be the extent to which we can be whole is the extent to which we embrace our brokenness. And it's to realize this, it's, it's his life that I carry in me, his light that is in me, his all-surpassing power that is at work through my weakness. It's his grace that is sufficient, even where I don't have sufficiency in myself. And we've gotta be in that place where we live with humility and not pride, where we can live in trust and not with fear, where we can embrace our brokenness because we know of his holiness and how he makes us whole. And this is what's happening as we see this unfolding. Verse seven says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show, to prove, to testify that this all-surpassing power is from God and not of us. And here's the last point as I come to finish. And we've been a little bit longer and I apologize, but uh, I know that um, this is our first time in the building and and uh, we, we're just working through things, so I apologize, it's a little bit longer, but really I just felt that being this first moment, we are preparing for the breakthrough of when we're gathering again. So I'm taking a little bit longer to labor this because I feel that's setting us up for that which God has in store for us in uh, the weeks ahead. So here's the last point. God is taking Gideon through many steps as I've been taking you through many steps, but the very last thing is so important to see the breakthrough. First was this, there was the breakdown of fear and pride. Second, there was the need to break a sweat. Third, there was the need to know Christ's all-surpassing power that works through our brokenness, his light even in um, our brokenness in these earthen jars. And then the last thing that we see before the enemy was defeated, before the breakthrough, is verse 20. It says this, and we'll put it on the screen. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted. You see, they broke the silence, the fourth, fourth thought is this, we need to break the silence. And they carry three things into battle, and I wanna encourage you, there are three things that you need to carry into battle to see your breakthrough. And it's this, number one, they carried the torch. We've been speaking of the light of Christ. You need to intentionally carry Christ and be holding onto him, knowing his life at work in you. In John 12, verse 46, it says, Jesus speaking, I have come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If you're feeling that you are being overwhelmed by darkness, you need to take hold of the overcoming one who is light. That's what we do, we take hold of Jesus, we take him into the battle. John 1, three to five, speaking of Jesus. 
Through him all things were made. With him nothing was made that has been made. Verse four, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We need to, if we're going into dark days and into battle, we need to be holding this light. And lastly, Psalm 1 verse 19. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a torch or a light unto my path. We need to be holding on to him because if we don't have him, we're gonna be finding ourselves uh, ambling around, wandering around, lost in the darkness. We won't know where the battle is. We won't know who we're fighting. We will be confused and disconcerted, just stumbling around in the dark. We need to carry in the midst of pushing through for our breakthrough, the light. The second thing we need to carry is the trumpet. And the trumpet speaks of this. Whenever you hear a trumpet mentioned, it's really referring to three things. Number one, the trumpet sounding was the summon to corporate prayer. Number two, the sounding of the trumpet was the summoning to corporate worship. And number three, the, su the sounding of the trumpet was the summoning of the people of God to corporate battle. It was a summoning to corporate prayer, to corporate worship, and to corporate battle. There's a co common denominator in all of those things, and it's this, it's unity. It's unity. If you're wanting to see the battle won, you need to know the sound of the trumpet that's calling unity. So husbands, I want you to look at your wives, and wives, look at your husbands. Families, I want you to look at each other. Church, I want you to look at each other, and I want you to say this, we are unified. We are Unified. You see, there's something powerful when we are in unity because we know that God is present and the enemy is put to flight. And so they speak of the trumpet in the midst of this moment of being unified. Something powerful happens. We see it in Judges 7 verse 22. And we can put that on the screen. Thank you. When the 300 trumpets sounded, now what does the trumpet sound? It, it means a summoning to unity. When the 300 trumpets sounded, when they had unity, the Lord caused, say to someone near you, the Lord caused. You see, when the trumpet sounded and there was unity, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their own swords because unity commands a blessing in God. And so these two things happen. And the third thing that I wanna say that is so powerful here that I want us to see is they carried nothing into battle but a torch and a trumpet. Do you realize that? They carried nothing into this battle but a, tor a torch and a trumpet. And before I mention um, this third point that I wanna bring, I wanna say that it's so significant of us to know this because here's the thing, the battle is gonna be won by the, with the weapons that the enemy is trying to wage against you. The battle in this moment was won with the weapons that the enemy brought to the fight. You see, the enemy might be trying to attack you with something like, let's say, alcoholism or addiction, or maybe it's through unfaithfulness in your marriage, or maybe it's through um, debt, or maybe it's through any of these things, these challenges that we face, and it's the weapons that the enemy brings to the fight and to the battle. But here's the thing, where we allow in the midst of that moment ourselves not to be defeated, but find victory in Christ through him bringing us through those things, then we can find ourselves in a moment where we are, have a testimony to share, and it's our testimony that brings other people into, limit, uh, into liberty. So the enemy comes and tries to take us out, let's say by alcoholism, but we encounter God's grace and walking us and journeying us through in his counsel, and we have a testimony that is powerful because it declares what God has done, he is wanting to do again and we start to share the testimony and it sees other people coming out of that same 
addiction and challenge. And so we are armed and see the victory through the weapons that the enemy brings to try and destroy us. What a powerful point. The third point I wanted to mention was a trumpet. They had a torch, they had a trumpet. And the third thing they had was their voice. Your tongue might be your greatest weapon because it's your praise that brings through the breakthrough. The breakthrough is brought through by praise. It's when we start to declare who he is that we know that he inhabits the praises of his people. He sits enthroned and all his power, his glory and his dominion and authority on our praises. It invites him into the situation. As I said last week, worship lifts us up and causes us us to transcend our circumstances and access the realm of the spirit. And when we start to declare these things, it starts to shift atmosphere. Your praise can bring the breakthrough. And I wanna share this for the person who's ready to give up, ready to throw in the towel, for the person who's feeling like that paralyzed person, you know, I've come up against the wall, there's no way through, there's no breakthrough for me. Judges 7 verse 19 says this, Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp. And here is the last thing I wanna say. At the beginning of the middle watch, the beginning of the middle watch, this is when they would raise their voice. You know when the middle watch is? The middle watch is at nightfall, it's at 11 p.m. And why is it saying this? Because it's the moment the enemy would least expect it. He would, they would least expect an attack in this time. Why would they attack in the dark? when we have got superior numbers. They would try subterfuge and to come in a way that wouldn't, um, wouldn't expose them to, to defeat or to the insurmountable challenge they'd meet in us. Why would they do that? But here's the thing. This was the moment where God had chosen them to attack the enemy. And I wanna say in this, it's, a, it's it's hard for us and challenging us to, for us to wrap our minds around why in the darkest moment, the most difficult circumstance, the most insurmountable odds, why would God want us to worship in the middle of our darkest hour? It's late, we're confused, situation is challenging. Here's the reason, because that's the moment when the enemy least expects it. Maybe you feel like you're in your darkest hour. As I've mentioned, it's the moment the enemy least expects you to raise your voice and start to declare the wonder, the praise, and the glory of God. But that's the moment that brings the break before the breakthrough. The enemy is thinking, why would he worship now when his marriage is on the rocks, when his finances are going down the drain, where his employment has been pushed and pulled and is starting to fragment and there's no future for him there? Why would he praise in the midst of the moment? Because that is the break that brings through the breakthrough. That is breakthrough's break point. So I wanna encourage you, though it might seem dark, though it might be challenging, though you might feel afraid, this is the moment to be stirred up, to be mighty in your faith, and to begin to praise God. Let me pray. So Lord, we just thank you that we can come before you and knowing that there is breakthrough ahead, but you taking us through a journey of preparation. That Lord, there might be things in our lives that you need us to break down so that we can be built up that there might be things where we need to break a sweat and we know it's your grace, but you're calling us to add grit to your grace. Maybe it's, Lord, that there are things where we need to embrace our brokenness, these broken jars, our humanity and our frailty, knowing that your all-surpassing power is at work in us. 
And maybe, Lord, it's just that we need to break the silence and we need to let out a shout of praise even in the midst of the darkest hour, the most unseeming moment. But that's the moment that brings through your breakthrough. I just declare breakthrough over every household, every individual. I just pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom to walk that out and that you would come and take your glory in and through it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone sitting here, won't you give me an amen? Amen. amen. But son, the Lord bless you.